Anything else you want to say about taxes? Oh, I'm going to mention the podcast that we did on it. Is there anything else? Yeah. Any other little tip you want to do? Yeah, more? I do. Okay. What, do you want me to lead you to it? Yeah, sure. What is it? <laughs> <laughs> you go, could go to church. Go to church. Yep. Oh. Go to church. Uh, charitable. Yeah. Okay. No, please just open with going to church. I'll sing like a. I'm, I'm working on a Christmas program. I could sing some stuff. I'm impressed, Nelson. I said going to church, and you already already went to charitable. <laughs> some of it's some we're, of it's soaking in. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's happening. Health savings accounts. Health savings accounts. The health savings account, or HSA. Do you understand what a health savings account is? Many of us have the opportunity to use a health savings account through work. But sometimes using these kind of accounts, they can be a little confusing, oh, trying yeah. to keep them all straight. Welcome to Retiring Today, the podcast that guides you to and through retirement. I'm your host, Molly Nelson, and I'm here with producer extraordinaire, Rochelle Rochelle. She's a White House decorator. Boom. Yes, I am. She's an Apple aficionado. You need to know something about your iPhone? She's the woman to talk to. Did you say White House decorator? Yeah. What? Merkel, you did not know this? I decorated. You went to the White House? I decorated she- the White House a couple years ago for Christmas. No kidding. Yeah. True story. Did I know that? I think so. I, I, now that I think, I might have heard that story. <laughs> yeah. But it was a while ago. It was a while ago. Now, how cool. She applied out of probably thousands of people. I do, this was a couple years ago. To decorate the White mm-hmm. House for Christmas. Yeah. And you, did you get to, didn't the first lady and the president come in and you got, yeah. were, you were near them, right? You were in yeah. a situation where you got to talk to them a little yeah. bit. Uh, Michelle Obama came in and talked to all the volunteers. Awesome. So, yeah. Yeah. See. Doesn't well, happen every day. Does not nope. happen every day. And she's right here on this podcast, retiring today, being the producer extraordinaire that we know and love. I'm also here with another guy, Lauren Merkel, financial advisor, retirement planner, axe thrower, and newly minted Raiders fan. Yes. So I went home. I said to my husband, uh, Lauren told me he got season tickets to the Raiders. He was a Bears fan. And you know what my husband said, Lauren? Trader. He goes, you know why I did that, don't you? And I go, no, I really don't. He goes, they're moving to Las Vegas. And I said, oh. It's even better than that. I got an email this week. They're giving me a gift. <laughs> oh, what? yeah. What's that? I had three options. Only one I can remember because it's the one I got. It is scotch glasses. Scotch glasses. With... The stadium design on it. Smoky scotch for some some of that smoky scotch. So that's what I get for my Raiders season tickets. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good. <laughs> scotch glasses. Good. How very nice of them to get you some cheap scotch glasses. <laughs> yes. So now you've met the team, really. You know all you need to know about the people behind the podcast. What we do on this podcast, though, is we help guide you to and through retirement. So if you're a pre-retiree or retiree, or you know a pre-retiree or retiree, or you someday will be a pre-retiree or retiree, this is the podcast for you. Today, we're going to talk about health. Who's feeling healthy? You guys feeling healthy? It's kind of the end of the year. (laughs) Just ate a protein bar. Lauren just ate a protein bar. (laughs) (laughs) He's feeling healthy. I I have a pop in front of me, so probably not. (laughs) I just let the health go a little about mid-November through about mid-January and but health savings accounts they're the topic that we're going to get to in just a minute and stay tuned because I think there are going to be some tips and tricks that Lauren's going to let you in on health savings accounts are kind of one of those things that that he likes to tell the families that we work with here at Merkel Retirement Planning about because they can be very tax advantageous and of course taxes something we're always talking about year round here at Merkel Retirement Planning but at the end of the year there's there's some things you can do to really look at your tax situation and see if you can get a little bit more tax efficient. So we'll talk about talk about taxes in a minute, and then we'll talk about health savings accounts as well. But first, big news from the Wall Street Journal. 
this week. Google is secretly collecting the personal health records of millions of Americans. According to the Wall Street Journal, the effort is codenamed Project Nightingale. It reportedly involves a deal made last year with Ascension. In the program called Project Nightingale, data like lab results, doctor diagnoses and hospitalization records, as well as patient names and dates of birth. The idea is to use the data in part to design new software that suggests changes to individual patient care. The program is creating major privacy concerns. Patients and doctors were not notified. So Project Nightingale, some people kind of upset about this one. Lots of data. They're talking about, what, 50 million users, Rochelle? Yep. You set the stage for us because this really piqued your interest. I personally don't get as worked up about this or haven't so far, but I know that you uh, you had some really strong feelings, and then I'll, I'll kind of give my counterpoints. But but you set the stage on on this medical uh, medical information sharing. Google, of course, trying to to get access to this or have gotten access to this. Well, what's the concern here? So the concern, they've done multiple uh, partnerships just like this. However, this one is different because none of the data is encrypted. So 150 Google employees and not just people working on Project Nightingale, but Google's parent company, Alphabet, also has access to all this health information. And that's concerning. Well, I think the biggest concern is the slippery slope event that could take place. I mean, this is the start of it. Mm-hmm. There's already other companies like Facebook who are trying to get into this game as well. Google is setting the precedent for what is available. And, and it's a good thing it's being investigated because as these other giant tech companies try to enter this space, we're gonna it's just going to keep evolving and evolving and evolving. And really, the victims of this is, is the United States citizens, right? Yeah. Everybody whose information is being spread amongst all these companies. And they might have the best intentions in the world. But what we end up seeing is the best intentions end up in disaster a lot of times. Well, their intentions are to make money. Let's keep it clear. Google is a for-profit money-making. They want to they want to make medical records better and have companies buy their system of, of making medical records digital, more accessible. I mean, the goal would be that we could go to some kind of a Google search page, put our own name in with some kind of, obviously, pin information and look at our medical records. Because... If you guys have ever had to try to get to your medical records or find out something about yourself, it's it's really, it's impossible. Like, for example, life insurance, okay? They call you, they ask you a few questions, you try to remember the date of that one thing, and then I, I had to try to figure out a doctor. I had to see a specialist one time about something. By the way, it was nothing. I couldn't remember that doctor's name because it was nothing. I had to do no follow-up. Well, I tried to go back to my primary care provider. She didn't know. I mean... I feel like we live in an age where somebody should be able to get my medical, just Molly's little bit of medical information. It's not even, I don't even have that much together in a way that the, the insurance company can can get a hold of it if I give them permission to. Te- technology in that area has advanced quite a bit, though, because I, I feel the same frustration. Every time you need your medical information, it is a, it's a re- labyrinth that you have to go through to try to put the puzzle pieces together, except for... A couple of years ago, talk about being healthy. I was on this health kick, and I was getting physical every year for two years. You were getting physical, it, like the famous song. In Insert soundbite. <laughs> Get physical. No. No. Okay. No. Not at all. No. Not at all. Nothing Let all me all. hear you. But no. Okay. No. So I, I got two physicals, back to back, two different years, 
And there's this app that my provider used where it, it documented all the information, all the, all the tests that they took and the results of those tests. And I can go back to that app today and all that information is there. Don't try to move towns or change providers, though. You, yeah, the per, so if you change a provider, then that information can carry over if the if the technology talks. But if it doesn't, then I'm still you saying can go back the current technology. technology stinks. And I, for one, think Google. Who else to fix it but Google? Isn't Google great? I, I mean, I just want them to be encrypted. I mean, Facebook does it for their WhatsApp, um, which is an actual application. They they encrypt all their texts. I mean, why not? Just make sure all the data is encrypted. I feel like that's a very Pollyannish viewpoint, <laughs> is what it is. There, it, it, there is no doubt this thing's going to end up in a disaster, and it's going to hurt a lot of people. Mm-hmm. No doubt. If, okay. If you, if you could You've go on if record. You, if you go to Google and say Molly Nelson, type in Molly Nelson. Uh, say do- healthy doctor, as doctor's a horse. Records and it types and it brings up your information, and only you can use that information, and it's never going to get out, and it's never going to cause any harm. That is a great one. And then my insurance company gives me a premier rating. That's what I'd like. Pretty sure it's not going to work like that. The <laughs> premier rating, I have no doubt. <laughs> but easily accessible information with no risks, it doesn't exist. All right. Well, I guess it's a vote of two to one. <laughs> taxes. Now, that's something we all agree on. We want to pay the least amount of taxes as possible. You, you got me on that one, Merkel? Well, now we're talking about financial health. Right now we're talking yep. about financial health and, and we, you know, we've all paid a ton of taxes. We will continue to pay a ton of taxes, but if we can mitigate the impact of taxation, that taxation has on our retirement plan, which is where we all want to be one day. And there's 10,000 people, Americans retiring, 10,000 Americans retiring every single day that pay a ton of taxes, have paid a ton of taxes and want to pay less because what that means is now you can enjoy more the money that you've worked so hard to save. And that's the importance behind tax planning and tax strategies. And when we get to the end of the year, now we have a a few weeks left where we can finalize our game plan, tax game plan for the rest of this year. All the cool tax strategies end 1231. And that's an important note because a lot of times when we think about tax strategies, we think we have up until April 15th of the following year to implement these tax strategies. We do some of them. But the coolest tax strategies. Did you get that? <laughs> Did cool you say something about tax cool and tax? Oh, yeah, you'll be the coolest kid the in the room. The coolest tax strategies all have to happen by the end of the year. What is cool, though, is putting more money in your pocket. So we're here in the end of 2019. If you had to have a little, you know, coffee conversation, a 15-minute uh, meeting with somebody, Lauren, what maybe little tips would you give them about what they can be doing here at the end of the year? Well, one of the questions I received just today in a, a meeting with a family is they have the catch-up provision from the 401k plan, which means if they're 50 and older, they have extra money that they can contribute to the 401k plan. Their question was, should we make those contributions by the end of the year? I said, yes, definitely. Based on your planning, it would benefit you. Their follow-up question to that is, should it be on the pre-tax side? Should it be on the Roth side? So what we did is we went through an analysis and we said, if you contribute to the Roth side of your 401k plan this year, you will in essence pay 22% on that contribution. And then we fast forward in time to when they're 70 and a half, because at 70 and a half, they will be mandated by Uncle Sam to take distributions out of their 401k plan, whether they want to or not. And based on the Social Security income they have coming in, based on the pension income coming in, based on the lifestyle that they demand that they deserve at that time frame, they would also be in the 22% tax bracket. 
And that's assuming that tax brackets don't increase between now and then. So the quick calculation is, should they pay 22% today and have that money grow tax-free forever where all of those growth, all of those gains are theirs and they don't have to share in any of that with Uncle Sam? Or should they save 22% today, hope tax rates don't increase over the next 10 years for the chance to pay 22% on all the gains they receive over the 20 the next 10 years. So to me that's a no-brainer. Let's let's maximize the 401k plan, take advantage of the catch-up, pay 22% today and you own 100% of that growth going forward. So let's say somebody's getting this podcast and they're listening to it late in December or even mid-December. What kind of, let's say they, they say, hey, that sounds like a good strategy, Lauren. I, I think I should make a catch-up provision. How much leeway or maybe the, the better uh, question is headroom do you need to get this to get through by 1231? Well, that's going to depend upon your income because most 401k plan providers, they take out a percentage that you allocate from your pay, paycheck. So if you get paid twice a week, or twice a week, how nice would that be? <laughs> if you you heard paid. it here first, happening at Merkle Retirement Planning. We're getting paid twice a Next week. Next year, twice oh, a yeah. week. Woo! If you get paid twice a month, um, then you're going to have a couple paychecks, of which you would have to really accelerate the percentage that you have withheld, depending upon what your gap is between between the, the maximum. So 50 and above, the maximum you can contribute is $25,000 for the year. So if you've already put in nineteen. dollars your gap is $6,000. So if depending upon how much you make, that may be possible. It may not be. And sorry, this is probably silly, but you initiate that then with that 401k company, not through your employer. Not, no, most, most of the time, what you're going to do is log on to your 401k plan and then you can adjust your, your percentage withheld. And at the end of the year too, you have a lot of discussions, Lauren, with families and individuals about charitable contributions and what they can do to kind of maximize those. It's estimated that the charitable foundations, because of the, the 2018 tax law change where our standard, de- standard deduction almost doubled, basically meaning that that's, so before if you were single, you'd have a $6,000 standard deduction you'd have to pay tax on. Now it's about 12, depending upon your age. Uh, for married couples, it used to be 12. Now it's about 24, depending upon your age. So that's $24,000 if you're a married couple, you don't have to pay taxes on, which means if you're donating to a charitable foundation like your church, you, before you used to be able to get a deduction on that charity, now you have to have itemized deductions over 24000 in order to receive any tax benefit for that charity. But if you're over 70 and a half, you're mandated to take distributions from your IRAs and 401k plans. If you're already donating to the church, don't give them cash. Don't write a check. Do it in the form of a qualified charitable distribution. And we run into this. We ran into this so much over the course of just this year. And a lot of these conversations have been taking place over the last couple months because we're getting closer to the end of the year because this has to be done by the end of the year, by 1231. So as an example, if you're a required minimum distribution is $15,000. You're already gifting to your church 2,000. Why not have 2,000 of that come from your RMD? That's 2,000 you don't have to pay taxes on and it helps suffice what you're required to take out. So you just switch how you're gifting the money. You just used to give it from your checking account. Now you give it from your IRA. And again, the process by which you set up the QCD, you obviously you work with 
your your retirement planner, they does that happen? Can that happen quickly enough to get it in by the end of the year? Or what kind of again head time? What's the word I'm looking for here? Like time what ahead kind of time planning? Do you need to get I don't it done? know. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> you can generally get that done within a week's time frame, but make give them as much time as you can. So if you, if it's two weeks, then it's pretty safe. A week might be putting it pretty close, but you can probably get it done. But but the thing is, is that with that, it has to be done by the end of the year. And that check has to be made payable to that to that qualified charity. Yeah, you if don't want to take it out first, put it in your account, and then give it to the charity because right, you just lost count. the tax benefit, that's right? That's exactly right. Okay. It has to be made, out, made payable to that charity. We did an entire podcast on tax strategies. So if this is something piquing your interest right now, wherever you get podcasts go, it's called Year-End Tax Planning Strategies. Another part of planning strategies, Lauren, that you work with families and individuals on every day is HSAs or health savings account accounts. I know we've heard you talk with a lot of people about this, something that is kind of a, a lesser known or lesser used, but tax and advantageous, uh, tax advantageous what? Yeah. Investment? I mean, well, What's the word for it? This, after? this goes hand in hand with the tax conversation because HSAs can be your most Get this one, Molly. Tax advantageous. Thank you. Yes. You do Tax the talking. I'll listen. advantageous type of an account because the, the contributions that go in are tax-free. That's nice. But the con- the distributions that come out, as long, you, as long as you use it for a qualified medical expense, come out tax-free as well. Tax-free on the, in, on, on the way in, tax-free on the way out. So there's no other account out there that provides tax advantages. That's another one tax advantages on the way in and tax advantages on the way out. Okay. So an HSA, this is something that needs for, in order for you to take advantage of this, it needs to be offered through your employer. Is that correct? Yeah. So this has to work in conjunction with a high deductible healthcare plan. So over the last five, six, seven years, as regular health insurance premiums increase, not only increase, but really skyrocket. I mean, if you're in the individual market now, you might be paying 2000 a month. You might be paying $2,500 a month. So the idea is you have a high deductible health care plan where you assume more of your medical costs on the front side. And it's therefore more of the emergency type of events that's to basically make sure that you're not bankrupt in the event you spend two weeks in the hospital. So it's designed for those types of expenses, but then you have the HSA to pay for some of those other expenses that the, the medical coverage doesn't pay for. And there are times when maybe though you, you would be investing in this HSA, but you might decide to hang on to that money for later because... It's, it's really a think, think outside the box strategy for those pre-retirees. Because in the pre-retirement years, you still have cash flow coming in. You're still working. You're making W-2 income. You're still putting some away. But, you know, most people in their pre-retirement phase have a good amount of discretionary income. So you have this bucket of money over here in your HSA, one of the most tax-favored accounts you can have. Why not cash flow some of the medical expenses that you can afford prior to retirement? Allow your HSA to snowball and grow tax-free until the day that you don't have the W-2 income, and now you have a finite amount of resources that you have to live on for the rest of your life. So let that HSA snowball, compound, 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 until the W-2s go away, and then you can start incorporating it within your your overall income strategy as you have these qualified medical expenses. Take advantage of the tax-free compounding nature of the HSA. Do these HSAs have, do the limits 
are, are they different depending on your what your plan your employer is set up, how much you can contribute? It, it varies per year. So as an example, for 2019, a single individual can contribute up to 3500 and a family can contribute up to 7000 for the it, year. And you talk about them growing. Is that because the companies therefore then invest them in... In, it, some, well, in the stock market, or how do they grow? It can. It, it also varies based on the custodian you have the HSA with. Some some HSAs, a lot of HSAs are at the bank. So if it's an HSA at the bank, you'll be limited to what that bank offers. If it's at a, another custodian that offers stocks and bonds and mutual funds and ETFs, just like your IRAs, your Roth IRAs, you can invest in literally about anything you want. Okay. So, Mr. Merkel, he's the teacher, Lauren, or, or Rochelle. You're Rochelle. Yeah. Producer extraordinaire and I, <laughs> students right now, you're going to give us a true or false cl- quiz. Hopefully, we've been learning. We've been soaking up this HSA information, Rochelle. Yep. This is the best part of my day. <laughs> <laughs> when I get to see how studied TRF. you really are. All right. <laughs> okay, so here we go. True or false? The first one, true or false? Medicare will cover 100% of your medical expenses post-retirement. And the answer is... Don't, don't we wish... That's too good to be true. Right. It has to be false. It has to be false. We wish it would. It would be really nice if it, if it did, but you're right. It doesn't. There's not really one medical plan out there that's going to cover all of your medical expenses in all the different categories. So there's different components of Medicare. There's Medicare A, and then there's Medicare B, and then there's supplemental plans. And if you have all of those components working together, you can get to a, pl- a place where it's going to cover a lot of it, but there's inevitably going to be some expenses that do fall f- through the cracks. Question two, true or false. An HSA is the only type of an account that allows for tax-free contributions and distributions. Hmm. Well, based on everything we just learned, I don't know. Were you guys listening? I mean, I was also listening to how you guys sound. (laughs) Yeah, she's producing. She's checking (laughs) levels. She's making sure record is hit. Let's go. Should we go with true? We're te- uh, yeah. By the way, this is a team test. Yeah. True. We H- both. Ke- an HSA is the only type of an account that allows for tax-free contributions and distributions. And distributions. And That's And distributions. I thought I emphasized this pretty. Uh, IRA. IRA is also. Is, wait. Is this a trick? A Roth IRA. After-tax contributions. Tax-free distributions. Okay. A deductible IRA. Is deductible contributions uh, is in essence pre-tax. Okay. But when it comes out, it's taxable. All right. And HSA, tax deductible contributions. So in essence pre-tax, when it comes out, as long as you use it for qualified medical expenses, it is also tax-free. True it is. True it is. Heck yes. <laughs> and that's what that's right. what that's what makes it one of the most powerful types of savings accounts that you have, which is why the strategy of if you're working and you can cash flow your medical expenses, allow that money to grow. Allow it to grow tax free because there's gonna come a day that you're gonna need to use that money and you're not gonna be working, so the cash flow is gonna be a little bit lighter. One of the most powerful types of investments you can have. True false. While enrolling in Medicare while enrolling in Medicare disqualifies you from making any additional HSA contributions, you can still use the money in your account to pay for Medi- Med- Medicare and pay for expenses that Medicare does not cover. <laughs> How'd you like that one? <laughs> um, I'm going to say that that is true. I agree. It is true. An HSA can fill the Medicare gap and pay for the medical expenses Medicare does not cover. 
Next question. True, false, also. HSAs can be invested in the same investments or approved for IRAs, which would be like stocks, bonds. I just asked that one. I jumped ahead. (laughs) True. You were looking at these questions, weren't you? I was You not. wanted the answers in advance. Your lecture was so good, I retained that knowledge and now know that it's true. <laughs> Question five. You are able to transfer funds from an existing traditional or Roth IRA to your HSA. No idea. Mm. Sounds too good to be true. Yes. It does sound too good to be true. So does that mean we're going with false? I well, what, well, let me set this up for you. So what this okay. means is you, you have an IRA, Roth IRA or pre-tax IRA. All right. Let's say you have $100,000 in that IRA. Sounds good. Can you take a piece of that $100,000 IRA and transfer that to your HSA? I have no idea. Where it grows tax-free forever. Mm. You, you tell me. Yes, you can. You can? Once in a lifetime. Oh. You have one lifetime transfer, and it's only up to your maximum. So if your maximum is thirty five hundred, you can do thirty five hundred. If it's seven thousand, you can do seven thousand. And that would be tax advantageous. That would be why you'd want to do that, or why would you want to do that? You would want to do that because there are limits on your HSA. So this is a way to take some money, maximize your HSA contributions. And if and if if it's from the pre tax, then it's tax deductible on the way in, right? You're not paying taxes on that distribution from the pre tax, and then it grows tax free. If it's from a Roth. Well, then you get the tax deduction on, on the contribution, and then it grows tax-free, just like it would be in the Roth. Wow, that's a lot of pressure. One time. <laughs> you got one chance. You only got one chance to do it. Which, which there could be some strategy around that. So every year, or at least every couple years, the HSA contribution limits go up. So if you're younger, why not, as long as you feel like the HSA, HSA is going to be available for a while, why, why, not, why not wait until those increases into those limits increase and then you can put more into it so don't necessarily jump on it this year if you think the hsa will be around for a while and you feel like those limits are going to continue to increase multiple choice what amount will the average couple pay in out-of-pocket medical expenses after retirement a lot <laughs> that's the amount what are our options One hundred eighty thousand, two hundred twenty thousand, two hundred eighty thousand. I'm going to go with a high one. Yeah, I think it's a lot. 280. 280. Team answer? Two yeah. eight. It depends on the study that you see. There are studies out there that say if you're 65 and above, that it's 280,000. This particular study conducted by Fidelity says 220,000. Oh, so a lot. You, I mean, that's it's an amount you have to plan for. Well, think about this. So let's say it's 220,000 that the average American will have to pay in medical expenses throughout the course of their retirement. The average retiree today only has about 75000 in retirement. And the average retiree, do we know how long they live in retirement? Is it, I mean, maybe right around 25 years? The, the average life expectancy right now is 83 to age 86 for women. The average retirement date or age for women is, is 62, and for men it's 64. Right, so about 25 years, give or take. Now, the, this 220000 is, is being paid for out of all of their retirement sources. So if they have Social Security, that's going to pay for that. If they have a pension, that's going to pay for it. It's not just from their investable retirement assets. But the numbers for a lot of people just don't jive. And that's, that's why it is projected that on average, men will outlive their retirement savings by seven years and women by a full 11 years. Wow, Ooh, that's, that's scary. scary. Can you imagine being retired? And your money's gone for seven years. No. You still live for another seven to 11 years and your retirement savings is gone. That is scary. 
Next question. True or false? After age 65, you can withdraw HSA funds for non-medical expenses and pay regular income tax while avoiding the 20% penalty. True or false? Hmm. So what's the 20% penalty? That's what you're... The penalty if you try to get money out of an HSA before 65? Well, what this question is asking you is, is it possible after age 65 to withdraw monies from the HSA, not use them for qualified medical expenses, as long as you pay a 20% penalty? So there's a couple different moving parts to that question. Uh, but you wouldn't pay taxes on that, that amount of money? That's what the question is. The, que the question is saying you would pay taxes on the withdrawal. I'm asking too, too many follow-ups. I, I think that the teacher's getting annoyed with my follow-up <laughs> questions. It's, Let the other kids ask have, questions, Molly. Molly, you have a 50% chance here. Even oh. if you don't understand the question, all you have to do is say true or false. <laughs> okay, uh, okay. What, what do you want to go with, true or false? <laughs> oh, sorry. I don't know. I'm trying to get my mind around the question. I feel so like I could dissect the this The teacher got another. frustrated with me and, didn't, and, and wanted to let the other kids talk. Molly, you're 65. <laughs> okay. You have $20,000 in your HSA. Okay. You say, you know what? I just want the $20,000. Healthy as a horse. Healthy as a horse. Never going to need, you're not going to need to spend $220,000 over the course Heck of your no. retirement. Nope. You just want your $20,000. All right. So when you take that $20,000 out, okay. are you going to pay income tax and not have to pay the 20% penalty that you would otherwise have to pay if you were 63 taking this money out and not spending it on a qualified medical. I don't like the second half of the question, <laughs> but I think it's true that I can take the money out and then I pay regular income tax rates on it. You're just a lucky guesser. No, that's right. Isn't that's it? That's what I'm saying. Yeah. That second 20% penalty part, I still don't understand, but. All right. So here's, here's what happens. <laughs> if you're 63 years old, you're healthy as a horse, you take the money out yeah, and you just go buy a car with it. Yeah. Now you're going to pay taxes and, and an a 20% penalty. They want you to wait till you're 65. So the catch is, the catch here is, is once you're 65, now you can take it out, go buy a car. You're, you're going to pay taxes on it, but you don't have the 20% penalty. As we wrap up our discussion on health savings account, we want to make sure that you understand the advantages and the disadvantages of an HSA. So first up, some of the advantages, Lauren, you don't have to use them for just one kind of medical expense. No, there's multiple medical expenses that you can use an HSA distribution for and still qualify, not have to be penalized, and not have to pay taxes. Others can contribute. This is interesting, we, and we haven't talked about this, your employer... Even a relative can contribute to your HSA. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I mean, you can meet somebody in the street and say, hey, I need some extra HSA contributions. Do you feel so inclined? They can make a contribution on your behalf. Christmas is coming up. That's what, what you ask what, for? What a nice Christmas present, right? HSA contribution? <laughs> make sure to try to gift wrap that one. I'll add that to my list. <laughs> yeah, so fa family members, complete strangers, friends can all contribute on your behalf. Contributions are typically made with pre-tax dollars through payroll deductions at your employer. This is an advantage of an HSA. Part of the strong benefit of the HSA is the contributions going in you don't have to pay taxes on. And possibly, Lauren, maybe the most powerful part of an HSA are the tax-free withdrawals. Yeah, and it grows tax-free. So you put money into it. Any growth you get on it is 100% yours. You don't have to share it with Uncle Sam. When you take it out, take it all out without taxes. And you find, for the most of the families and individuals you work with, they they find these to be fairly convenient to enroll in and, and, and work with. It's not difficult, difficult at all. You go to an HSA provider. A lot of times if your employer has a high-deductible health care plan, they make it really easy to sign up. Uh, so it doesn't have to be that difficult. It's very easy to gain access to. 
okay, the disadvantages of an HSA, there is a high deductible requirement. Yeah, which means that you're on the hook for more of your medical cost associated with the health care plan. So your health care plan is paying less of your medical expenses and you are paying more. That's the benefit of using the HSA in conjunction with the high deductible health care plan. But as a disadvantage, your, your health care plan is going to pay, pay less of your medical expenses. Now, does some of the psychology of this, do you ever see this working maybe negatively against people where they put this money into the HSA and they might actually need it, you know, for something major and they don't touch it or they don't, you know, take that, that major health, uh, they don't take care of themselves in the way they should because they don't want to, to spend that money? That's also another disadvantage is now you feel pressure to save for one more thing, one additional account that you feel pressure to put money into. I mean, you already have, you're already trying to save for retirement. That's difficult enough. You're already trying to save for your emergency type of expenses. That's difficult enough. And now you're trying to also save for healthcare expenses later down the road, especially in retirement. So it's just an additional additional objective that you're trying to save money for. And another disadvantage we talked about was if you want to get to the money before age 65, there is a 20% withdrawal penalty. What about the record keeping? So if you do go get, I've heard people talk about like getting eyeglasses and some of those things. So you have to save a receipt and get that back to this this, the whoever does your, whoever's your plan provider. Yeah. You have to provide basically documentation to uncle Sam. And so if you get audited and they say, Hey, what did you spend these, these HSA distributions on? Then it's incumbent upon you to make sure that you can provide proof that you spend it on qualified medical expenses. So it is a, a, a good thing to keep your receipts. The good news is, is uncle Sam, you can, you can take a picture or you can make a copy of your receipts. You don't have to have the actual physical receipt. But you need some kind of proof to say, yep, this is what I spent it on, and I don't have to pay taxes on this distribution, and I'm not penalized by 20%. And another disadvantage is the possibility of fees. Some HSAs charge those? Yeah, that's much like any type of investment. There's, a, there's some high-cost investments. There's some low-cost investments. There's some high-cost HSA plans. There's some low-cost HSA plans. Just make sure that you participate in one that has adequate level of, of cost for what it is you're getting from that plan. So Lauren, you should look into an HSA if... If you have a high deductible health care plan, look into the HSA. If you don't have a high deductible health care plan, then you're not eligible to contribute to an HSA, and then you'll have to wait until a high deductible health care plan is available for you to participate in. If you have a high deductible health care plan, one of the best ways that you can cover some of your medical expenses is by taking advantage of the HSA. And it's also one of these these great year-end tax plays. If you have not maxed out your HSA and you're able to do so, make sure you do it by the end of the year. Again, it's a tax deduction on the front side, and any money that goes in there, most likely you're going to use either pre-retirement or in your retirement phase, and it all grows tax-free. Is an HSA right for everyone? No, and it's not a... Not everyone is eligible for an HSA as well, but even those who are eligible for an HSA, if you just can't afford the extra money to put into the savings, then then it's not going to benefit you. So it's not it's not going to be right for everybody. But if you have a high deductible health care plan and you can afford to put the thirty five hundred or seven thousand dollars a year into it, you will definitely not regret it. 
tax planning, of course, a big part of strategies that help people get to and through retirement. Such a big deal that we put something on our website. We call it the tax planning playbook. And there we have HSA, one of the strategies, just one of several strategies that, that you may want to consider or learn more about. So if that is something you'd like to look at, it's our tax planning playbook, tax planning playbook, and it is at MerkelPlan.com. Merkel is M-E-R-K-L-E plan. Dot com. You can also always check out this podcast. It's retiring today. Subscribe wherever you get podcasts and we'll continue to give you information that guides you to and through retirement. Merkle Retirement Planning is an independent financial services firm helping individuals create retirement strategies using a variety of investments and insurance products to custom suit their goals and objectives. Any information discussed in these shows is for educational purposes only and should not be construed as investment, tax, or legal advice. Investment advisory services are offered through Elite Retirement Planning, LLC. Insurance services are offered through MRP Insurance, LLC. Do you know how many people have these HSAs up there? Well, we don't have one here, do we? Yeah, yeah, we do. Yeah, we have an option. Oh. Oh. I use it. You use it. You on that plan. <laughs> <laughs> You're on the plan. You may not use the HSA, but you're on the high deductible plan. Am I now? Because you're on the high deductible plan, you can contribute to an HSA if you want to. Could I? You could. If only I had any money to put into an HSA. (laughs) To buy Christmas presents. I'll be darling. Shucks. That's cool. Okay.